Hey. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm glad you're here this morning. Welcome those of you who are online. What are they laughing about? Can we get a picture of this or not? I've got my, I've got my Louisiana loafers on. That's what I've got. We, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we've had a little bit of rain uh, here. I don't know if you guys noticed that at all, but uh, wow, what an incredible, incredible um, weekend this has been. It's just been unbelievable. In fact, I almost didn't get to church this morning. I'll tell you about that in just a minute, but uh, when, when they began to, when the, the Weather Channel began to say a few days ago that be careful Charleston because it looks like there's going to be a funnel of water just coming through, I thought, how could they know that? Well, guess what? They were right. And uh, it's, it has been raining here. If you're, um, I want to welcome those of you who are off, or online. A lot of you are right here. I mean, I just got a picture from uh, uh, one of our elders that uh, they're stuck, you know, water everywhere, and so everybody's online. So uh, if you're online from the Charleston area, I want to welcome you. Glad you guys are, are here. Glad you guys came out. I, I did a little uh, Facebook thing this morning and said, hey, don't, be careful. Don't come unless you're really, some of you just have cabin fever. Let's just be honest. That's what it is. You're tired of being cooped up with the kids. One more day with the kids. And those of you who are joining us from uh, uh, somewhere outside of South Carolina, it's been raining for three days. And uh, I've never seen anything like, we, none of us have ever seen anything like this in our lives. I, I was, uh, last night I was on the Weather Channel and they said right here where the church is, uh, Boone Hall area, as of last night had like 18 and a half inches of rain with another 8 to 10 coming. And uh, uh, somebody said that on the Weather Channel, and if it's, if it's on Google or the Weather Channel, you know it's, it's true. You know, it's just, but anyway, uh, they said that uh, 12 inches of rain is the equivalent of like 120 inches of snow. And so what we have had is like a 15-foot snowstorm so far. And uh, it's just, it started and it kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. Uh, parts of the city and parts of the state have been impacted uh, worse than others. I know where we live up just a little bit north of town, uh, it's just been raining nonstop. Last night it rained all night long, just all night, all night, sometimes really heavy and, and sometimes not. And so I, I know in the upper state, um, we've had to cancel our services at the Columbia campus and the Irmo campus uh, because they're underwater. And uh, a lot of the, uh, the Sea Island campus, the James Island campus, McClellanville, and uh, I think the Manning campus closed today too. And uh, Greenville's kind of in the mountains, so you guys are all right. But uh, they said that the, 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 the impact of this will be more than just when it quits raining, because I guess it just fills everything up and then it, it floods. And so, um, so, so what I did is I got up at 2.30 this morning and changed my message. And so what's in your outline sheet is what's great, but it's not what I'm going <laughs> to preach on. <laughs> I thought I've got to talk exactly. And I feel like, honestly, I'll tell you about it in a minute. But I feel like, honestly, this series that we have couldn't have come at a better time. And, uh, and, and we'll tell you how that all fits together. So I got up this morning and we're trying to figure all this out. Okay, what do we, last night what we did is we didn't have live services, but I preached a message with one person sitting in the auditorium. He's right here. 
It was Josh Walters, the campus pastor. I was hoping he'd get saved. I really was. He would not commit his life to Christ. He didn't go to a cross. Uh, One person in the auditorium, and I preached so that we could have live for the uh, internet campus, online campus. And and, uh, so this morning I got up and I thought I'm going to do something different, just specific to this. Felt like the Lord gave me a word in the middle of the night. And uh, so I was trying to get in here early. We've got campus pastors on phone calls trying to figure out, okay, who's open, who's not. We don't want to put people at risk, all of that kind of thing. And, uh, and so I left an hour earlier than I normally would, and I got one half mile from my house, and there's this big fire truck covering the whole road and traffic stacked up, and it's raining because it rained all night. It's probably still raining up there. And uh, so I didn't know what to do. And, and so I, I thought, well, before I call anybody, maybe I could, we'll, we'll see. And, and so I... Uh, I got out and I had a suit coat on and it got drenched. So I put it in. Being a golfer, I had one of these in the back of my Jeep. So I, I put that on, had my boots on anyway. I thought, you know, I'm a, I don't care what they look like. I, I'm married and uh, <laughs> not looking for a job. So it's not about fashion, it's about staying warm. How have you know that? And not messing up your nice new shoes. And so uh, some of you didn't know that apparently. But uh, so, so I got up and I'm, I'm walking down the highway and rain and all this. So I get up to the front and the fireman looks at me and uh, he looks at my boots and he thinks I'm somebody official. And he said, are you with the power department? I said, no, I'm just a preacher trying to get to church. So all, that's really what I told him. And they said there was a power line down on the highway there. And uh, I said, well, okay. He said, we'll just have to wait until somebody comes. And uh, so we're trying to figure out, could I preach from my Jeep? Uh, with my little, I do a periscope on there and do Facebook sometimes, and and uh, pr- but pretty soon it, it it opened up. So I got to church just as the 8:30 service started. I was soaking wet, had stuff coming off of here, but God was in the house. That didn't matter. Didn't matter. And uh, so yeah, so uh, so I'm just happy to be here. And uh, you guys give me a little bit of grace, all right? When you do that, I've been up a long time. So, so the storm, I want to talk about the storm just a little bit and how maybe we can relate it to our series. We're in a series called um, Like a Good Neighbor. And last week, um, Josh Surratt kicked it off, great message, on if we're going to love our neighbor, with the premise that God has called us to love our neighbor. And he used uh, the Good Samaritan story and kind of turned it around a little bit. That, um, that if it was today, it'd probably be in our neighborhoods because our neighborhoods are people that aren't just like us, oftentimes don't believe just like us. And if we're going to start anywhere, we need to start in our neighborhood to love our, love our neighbors. And he challenged us to, uh, you got a little magnet to identify who your neighbors are. And how apropos today, because we're right in the middle of a mess with our neighbors. And uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit about how, how, how to, what, what do storms teach us about loving our neighbors. That makes sense? What does storms teach us about loving our neighbors? Now, I know that probably for 85, 90% of us, all we've been through is just a rainstorm. You know, it's just a real long rainstorm, and when it dries out, everything will be fine. But for a few of us and, and many of our neighbors, this is a major disaster. Uh, for some of you, uh, it may very well be that, you know, uh, there's water in your house, uh, in your business, 
and there's going to be ramifications from that. And some of us don't know exactly uh, where we are. So wherever you are, whether it's like, okay, this is just a rainstorm, I'm fine, why do we need to talk about it? I've got something for you. And if you're on the other end of it, and you feel like, wow, you know, we weren't planning on this, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen with this, and we were hoping to get a little bit of hope today, I hope I'll give you a little bit of hope today. Okay, does that make sense? So let's, let's just kind of dive in a little bit. What do storms teach us? Let me give you three ideas. How many of that's a surprise to you, that there's three ideas, even if it's a message that's hot off the press? Here's the first one, is that storms teach us to take personal inventory. Storms teach us to take personal inventory. What did, what did you do when the, when, when the storm started coming in, it looked like it was going to last a while. You went around, checked all the windows, right? You want to make sure that there's no water coming in, and you went in the garage, if you're, if you're like us, and you were checking around the doors out there. We live in a barn right now, and it doesn't have, like, it's got gaps in the floor, and so we're checking to make sure that there's no water in, and if water's coming in, we just move new, new things in, and some of the boxes are there. We want to make sure that the boxes didn't have water in them and pile them. Just take an inventory of everything that we have. And, and here's the truth, in life we accumulate a lot of things. Would you agree with that? We accumulate a lot of stuff, we accumulate relationships, we, re, we accumulate junk, and storms help us to separate the important from the trivial. You go, okay, well this doesn't matter, but this does. We need to, we need to make sure that we have this safe. A few weeks ago, Debbie and I moved. Uh, we've lived for the last about 10 to 12 years uh, in a house just right across the street over here, not very far. And, um, and we moved for a number of reasons. Uh, one is that uh, the house is a typical Mount Pleasant house, has a great view, built up nine, 18 stairs up to the first floor, and then our bedroom was 18 stairs up to the next floor. And my uh, knees and old injuries and things like that were saying, it's time to go flat. You just need to be flat. And so, and so we're doing that. Uh, we have 14 grandchildren, and uh, that just will speak for itself uh, in, a, in a house that is kind of, you know, n not a lot of real open space. And then my father, uh, we knew would be moving uh, to, uh, we, we asked my father to come and live with us uh, in the Charleston area after his uh, wife went to be with the Lord several months ago. And uh, we didn't realize she would go to be with the Lord that soon but we planned on him to, to come and, and be with us. And so we kind of put together a plan where we'd move to a couple of acres just north of town and uh, was going to build a little barn with a little living space in it and then build a house next door about the same size, maybe a little bit bigger than the house that we had before, but that would have some open spaces for grandkids and, and wide open spaces outside. Does that make sense? Or is everybody pretty well confused? Well, here's what happened. We had to rush the process. We build the barn first, and it's got 600 square feet of living space in it. And so Debbie and I, over the last four or five weeks, actually it's taken a little bit longer than that, have moved from 3,000 square feet to 600 square feet. How do you know that's the definition of health right there? Just the process of moving. Now, we're falling in love with the little barn, with the little space, because it's got one bedroom, it's got a little cooking area and a living room all together, and then a washroom with my closet, uh, just, that's a stretch, and a bathroom, and that's it. And it's easy to clean, and we love it. In fact, I told her yesterday, I'm going to be sad to have to move out of this into a real house at some point, because we like this. But what we didn't like is the process of downsizing. 
oh my goodness, do you accumulate a lot of stuff. I mean, we had stuff in our old house that was in boxes from the house before that we were going to open, and also next to the boxes from the house before that, and the house before that was in Illinois 28 years ago, and we still have boxes from there that we were going to open because it was important. At some point, we made a choice this was important stuff, okay? And so what do we do? How do we handle this? So somebody gave me a book. should have written down the title. It's something about the, the, the amazing joy of tidying up or something. It's about how to reduce space. A Japanese lady wrote it. Some of you have read it. And so in this book, what they say is if you're going to downsize or, you know, tidy, tidy up, what you do is you, you start with your clothes and you take every piece of clothes and you hold it in front of you and you say, does this bring me joy? And if it does, you keep it. If it doesn't, you throw it away. I thought, that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard in my life until I was going through the process, holding my clothes. Does this bring me joy? I can't even fit into it anymore. It doesn't bring me joy. But I kept, I, I kept keeping it in case someday I would fit. How do you understand that? You've got that testimony. When it got hard was when it came to sentimental things that really have no value anymore. We keep them, and what's actually going to happen is we're going to die someday. Check your pulse. If you're alive right now, you will be dying at some point because the mortality rate is right around 100%, right here in Mount Pleasant. And so what will happen is that you will die and your kids will have to throw your stuff away, which is a real pain, but you keep them anyway. And so she says this. She says, if it's sentimental things, you hold them in your hand and you say, you brought me joy at one point, but you don't bring me joy anymore, and so I'm going to throw you away. I thought, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard, until I'm holding sentimental stuff going, you know what, we had a great time at some point, but it's over, you're gone. You know, and, and so, two dumpsters full of stuff. When you go from 3,000 square feet to 600 square feet, you figure out what's important and what's trivial. Well, the same thing happens when you inventory dur dur uh, during a, a storm. Make sure the important things are dry. And I was thinking about that too, that, you know, it's a good thing to do a spiritual inventory during a, a storm. Sometimes we're afraid, what's going to be the impact of this? And sometimes rightfully so. I have friends that already I know are, are going to have a real challenge in business because of what's happened in this storm. Uh, I have other friends, in, in fact, somebody, uh, wow, you know, I, I was thinking about the, the shooting up in Oregon this week, which was horrible, too, where that people were asked, are you Christian? If you are, then you die. Somebody wrote me a note, just an honest note that said, would it be okay to lie just a little bit in that type of situation? And Debbie and I had talked about it some, and I thought, you know what, whether it's that kind of a storm or whether it's a physical storm like we're talking about here, it's time to take spiritual inventory where we go, okay, who do I trust? Who do I trust? Where's my hope? Do I trust in my own plan? Do I trust in my ability to kind of think on my feet? Do I trust in the resources that, are, that I have? Do I trust in my business? I mean, all of those are good things, but who do I trust? And where does my hope lie? Isaiah 49 and verse 23 says, 
Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. God's saying this. He's saying, you know what? You can put your hope in a lot of things, but if you put your hope in anything other than God, you will be disappointed. If you put your hope in riches, you will be disappointed. Stock market will go down, flood will come, something may very well happen. If you put your hope in an individual, ladies, look at me. If you put your hope in a man, newsflash, at some point you will be disappointed. That's what we do, okay? We don't mean to, but we won't get it all right all the time, okay? If you put your hope in the government, how do you know you'll be disappointed? If you're a Democrat, you'll blame the Republicans. If you're the Republicans, you'll blame Donald Trump. But you will be disappointed at some point, okay? But here he says in Isaiah, God himself says that if you put your hope in me, you will not be disappointed. That is a promise. That's a promise some of us need to put up on the, you know, on the, on the mirror. That we're going to put our hope in God. I love Psalm 119 and verse 49. A lot of times when you read the Psalms, David is in a trial of some kind. He's in a storm of, of some type. And he's just gut level honest with it. And in Psalm 119 and verse 49 is one of those situations. And he says to God, remember your promise to me because it is my only hope. You may be in a physical situation right now with your body or it may be because of the storm or it may be something entirely different. And I want to challenge you, go to God. Get a promise from his word. Hang on to that promise because it becomes your hope, your hope. And in a storm, it's a time that we can take personal inventory. And I'm going to challenge you to do this. Now, some of us, honestly, in the physical storm that's happening here in Charleston and all throughout our state, uh, you're, you, you're going to uh, suffer some loss and some damage. Some of us will. And I want to challenge you to... Um, uh, to call out if you need help. Let me, let me explain how it's going to work here at Seacoast. First of all, first call you make if they're around you, if they're believers, is your family. This is what the Bible teaches. My family lives all around here. If, if one of them needs help, I want them to call our family first because we, we have a family responsibility. Then secondly, call your spiritual family. That's why I love this church. We have small groups everywhere, hundreds and hundreds of small groups. And don't suffer alone. Listen, we want to know. We want to we help. I'm going to give you a specific plan on how all of you can do that uh, at the end of this message. But call your small group. Don't suffer alone. Call and, and let them know what's going on. Call the church, um, the church office. That is the church when you call your small group and your, your friends. But uh, as a final source, call the church office if you're not a part of a small group. And, uh, or even if you are and you need to talk to us, we, we would love to help uh, in in, uh, in 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 as best as we can, but the first thing you do in a storm is you you take personal inventory. Here's the second thing you do: S storms teach us to cry out to God, to cry out to God. Um, when you cry out to God, whether it's in a storm like we've experienced, or uh, you know, physical storm, relational storm, whatever it happens to be, remind yourself of God's power. You know, I was watching on TV, you know, we always, I've watched more of the Weather Channel in the last, you know, three days, because there's nothing else to do, you know, you just kind of watch the Weather Channel, and uh, you see all of the waves and the storm and all of that, and um, 
And I thought, wow, this is, this is, this is powerful. And then I looked in God's word. In Psalm 89.9, David said, you know, you rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. And so, and so I re- would read that scripture, and then I would watch on TV these incredible waves in this hurricane that may or may not have anything to do with what we're having right now. And I thought, God, you are, you are more powerful than the storm. What an incredible God. I think of the New Testament where the disciples are in a boat with Jesus and there's this great storm that comes up and he's asleep and they wake him up and you know the whole story and he, he, he calls to the storm and speaks to it and the disciples are standing back and they're just dumbfounded. One of them says to the other one, this guy speaks to nature. This guy speaks to the storm and it quits. So here's your question. Well, why did the storm come through me? I don't know. But a lot of times when we want the storm to go somewhere else, we want it to soak somebody else. I mean, we don't necessarily say that, but that's what we're saying. So why don't you hit Wilmington rather than Charleston, you know? That kind of thing. Well, we can't control all of that. But we do know a God who is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He has his reasons for allowing what he allows. But in the midst of the storm, remind yourself of God's power and then tell God what you need. I love Philippians 4 and verse 6 as a model. It's one of my favorite verses. I think we've got it on the screens. Um, Can we read it out loud together here and in the campuses? Or I don't think there are any campuses today, but if there was, (laughs) we could read it. There are some. Let's read it out loud. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Look what it says. In a storm, first thing you do is is you decide, am I going to worry or am I going to pray? Because that's the first thing we want to do in a storm is worry because we've got to be in control. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? How's this going to affect my family? He says, well, you can do one of two things. You can't do them both at the same time. You can't worry and pray at the same time. He says, so don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And when you do, thank him for all he's done. I love that. I'm glad it doesn't just say, tell God what you need. Because sometimes what you need is so big that you can say it and tell it, but you come away going, oh, that's a lot. Have you ever felt like that? I mean, that, that's a lot. He says, well, don't just stop there. He says, then kind of make a list of everything that he's done. When I was a kid in church, we used to sing, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. And so write them down. Boy, this is what God has done for us, and this is what God has done for us. This is what God did in the, in the Bible, which was incredible, and so God is big enough to do anything for me. He said, then if you'll do that, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. I call it the peace that doesn't make sense. I had a guy walk up to me after the last service. He said, you can use my story. He said, you know, I've, I've um, had an injury, whatever, a few years ago. And he said, I've been on disability for several years. 
He said, I got a, I got a phone call this week. I think it was on a Wednesday. He said, uh, the insurance company said that they're changing and the disability is gone. He said, I don't, I don't have a job. I don't have a source of income. He said, I got to tell you, when I got that call, it just, it really nailed me. It really hit me. But he said, so he said, Wednesday wasn't a good day. But he said, by Thursday, he said, I'd, I'd prayed about it. I'd called my small group and they'd prayed about it. Called my family and they'd prayed about it. And he said, I, I got to tell you something. Something incredible has happened. I said, you get a job? No, no job. Yet, but I've got God's peace. I've got God's peace. And I want to tell you that. I just, he said, Friday and Saturday and today, he said, there's just a sense, and it doesn't make sense, but I've got his peace. And that's what God does in the middle of the storm, the middle of the storm. So storms teach us to cry out to God. Storms teach us to take inventory. Let me give you one more thing. And this is why this is so good for this series. Storms teach us to care about our neighbors, to care about our neighbors. Okay, let me give you, let me give you in about two minutes the message that I was going to preach today. Okay, um, it's on your outline sheet. Actually, I'm not going to give you all the fill in the blanks though, because I can't remember them. They're written down, but I can't remember. But but here, I, I was going to take the scripture in Acts 17:26, which says something like this. Here, here's the context of that scripture. If you have an outline sheet, you can kind of look at that. Anybody have one I could borrow so I could maybe read that scripture? There we go. That's good. Thank you. God bless you. May you have great blessings today. Okay, here, here it is. What was going on is this. is Paul the Apostle was speaking in Athens. And um, it was a real philosophical, spiritual city, but they didn't believe in the one true God. But they did believe in a God. Um, they had a lot of gods, and one of them was the unknown God. And Paul is going to argue that Jesus Christ, that God through Jesus Christ is the unknown God. And here's what he said. He said, from one man, this God, created all of the nations throughout the whole earth. And he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries. For his purpose was for nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Here, here's, here's what he said. I'll give you those three fill in the blanks right there. How's this? God has a time for you. God has a time for you. You know, of all of the times, of all of the times that you could have lived, we don't have that picture handy, do we, or not? Probably not. I, we can't. This is fun. We can do anything we want to. Watch this. Boy, get, give a hand for our tech team. They are phenomenal. They just... Do we have it? We got it. All right. So I was thinking about my time. <clears throat> I could have lived at any time. I could have been Renaissance Greg. Take a look at this. Okay. <laughs> huh? What do you think? I think I could have done well then. Or I could have been Cowboy Greg. Take a look at this. Yeah. Colorado, that whole thing fits. Or how about out in the future? I could have been Iron Man Greg. But God said, no, those don't fit. His gifts, God knew the fill in the blank there is when you would best fit. 
He knew of all of the times. You say, well, he's talking about nations. Yeah, but nations are made up of what? Cities. Cities are made up of what? Neighborhoods. Neighborhoods are made up of what? Families. Families are made up of what? People. How many of you are a people? Scripture fits you. So, before the foundation of the world, God knew when you would best fit. Not only did he know when you would best fit, but it says that he determined their boundaries or the where. So, God has a place for you. Not only a time, but he has a place for you. He has a place for you. God knew where you would fit best. Not only when you would fit best, he knew where. And so, from the foundations of the earth, God said, you know what? She would, she would best fit during this time, time frame. And at this particular time in life, she would best fit working here and living in this particular neighborhood. And oh, oh by the way, let, let me ask you this. This is a tough theological question, though. Do you think this storm that happened in South Carolina was a surprise to God? God's omniscient. It's real hard to surprise an omniscient God. He's never had a day where he went, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> now, we could argue about, did God cause it? I don't even want to get into that. I'm just going to stop right here and say, it wasn't a surprise to God. He lined up a time for you and a place for you. Do you think you're where you should be in the providence of God for this particular season? I think so. I really think so. I'm glad I'm in South Carolina. I'm glad I'm in Charleston right now because God also has a purpose for you. That's the next blank. And that's to seek after God. God knew what you would do best. What you would do best. And, he, and here's what he says. He says that he lined up the nations and times and people so that <clears throat> the love of God would be shown to all around so that maybe they would come to know the one true and the one real God. So what does that teach us about our neighbors? Well, I think you live right where you, you need to, to live right for this moment. Wasn't a surprise to God? He's got a purpose for you. He's at work on a solution for people around you and for you before you even knew that there was a problem. So here's what I want us to do as a church. We're going to start with our eight neighbors, okay? Did you guys get your little magnet? You don't have to have a magnet. I, I wrote mine down in my, uh, uh, in my, on my phone, uh, my, my eight neighbors, with the help of some of my other neighbors. And, uh, and so what, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to, with this storm, start with your neighbors. Check, check with them today and tomorrow. How you doing? You guys doing okay? What can we do to help? How can we help? Okay, that's how we love our neighbors. This is a perfect opportunity for us to love our neighbors. I believe, this is what I believe. A few weeks ago, there was a shooting in Charleston where uh, godly men and women from Emmanuel Church downtown were shot and their relatives stepped up and said, we're hurt, we believe in justice, but we forgive. And the whole world stepped back and said, there's something different there in Charleston. I believe right now is our opportunity to carry that forward. Whole world is watching us. I'm getting texts nonstop. I got a text this morning from uh, uh, Joyce Meyer. Um, uh, her, uh, her son David is, is a good friend of mine. And they said, what do you need? We're standing behind you. We will help. I got a text while I was preaching from Jonathan Falwell at 
Thomas Road Baptist Church in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. What do you need? We'll help. All my ARC buddies are lining up. There are people from all over the world. They're watching on CNN. They're watching the Weather Channel. We're going to receive their help because we're going to be a conduit of the love of Jesus for our community. How do you think that that sounds like a good idea? And I believe, I believe the world is not only going to see the largest storm that's ever been in the United States, but I believe the, the world is going to see the largest outpouring of the love of Jesus that this area has ever seen. Because listen to me, listen to me. We're going to start with the eight families around us, and then we're going to go to our small group, and we're going to see how everybody in our small group's doing, and then we're going we're to help those, and then we're going to spread out to those in close proximity okay? There are neighborhoods around you. If you're okay, somebody's not. And we're going to find out because it matters to all of us because we're all connected together under God. Would you agree with that? And, and I believe that the church has the capacity to be the best relief agency around. We've got hundreds of small groups and we've got hundreds and thousands of people that live in neighborhoods that are here at the right time in the right place under the providence of God and for a purpose and we're going to let Jesus live through us. Does that sound like a good idea to you? I really do. I really do. And so, and so you do it and we'll support. I'm going to do it and ask the church to support. What do you need? Well, let us know. Let us know what the issues are, what the needs are, and uh, we'll funnel some of the stuff that people are kind of bringing from all over, and uh, we'll, we'll just see if we can't work together and, and make some good things happen. What, what's that going to be? I don't know. I, did, I preach. I don't figure all this stuff out. But we're going to figure it out and help you figure it out, and uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to release the church to be the church, and, and I believe that, that these next few days and weeks uh, we're going to see some wonderful things happen in Jesus' name. Amen? Now, uh, giving. Uh, I challenge those of you who are watching to give online so that we'll have the resources to do. Listen, when you give, we're, we're, we're as good as stewards as we possibly can be with your resources, and this will be a part of it. We always jump in and help wherever we can. And so, challenge you to give, continue to give, continue to uh, just just be the hands and feet of Jesus in the neighborhoods around us. Let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your kingdom. God, I thank you that you allowed me to be alive at such a time as this. God, this isn't a surprise to you. God, I pray for some of those in our congregation who are already feeling and experiencing loss. God, we trust in you. God, help us to know how we can help. God, frankly, for most of us, we're probably okay. But it's not just about us. You didn't place us here just so that we could feel good. You placed us here so that we could be your hands and feet in this community so that people could know Jesus. They could know God and know who he is and experience his love. So God, we're volunteering right now. We're signing up to be your hands and feet. We ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.